The future that we see is a rapid acceleration in many directions, of course, catalyzed by what we do in financial inclusion. We have just about 55 million Nigerians today or thereabouts who are into formal digital payments. Imagine when we have 100 million Nigerians who are financially included, 41 million MSMEs who are matching who can do payment collections. The opportunities in many directions are huge. And that's why we say that it's very early days for OP. We are real builders, both for merchants and consumers. And the future that we see, like I said, is we're looking for many trains to come on ride in the rail that we are building at OP in the future that is coming very soon. You're listening to Leaders in Payments and Fintech, a podcast brought to you by Edgar Dunn & Company, the global payments and fintech consulting firm. Coming to you from the City of London, I'm your host, Martin Kodrish. And in this series, I'm meeting with leaders and practitioners across the industry to find out what it takes to bridge the gap between strategy and execution. My central question is, how can we commercialize and bring the benefits of ever deeper new technology to market in what continues to be a highly regulated industry? If you enjoy these interviews, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. So enough of the intro, let's get straight into today's episode. Today, we meet up with Olu Akanmo, president and CEO of Opay, one of Nigeria's leading fintech companies, with a growing population of more than 200 million, almost twice as large as Ethiopia and Egypt, the next two largest African countries by population size. Not only is Nigeria Africa's largest economy, but it is also the most important fintech center on the continent. It is estimated that there are at least 250 fintech companies in Nigeria, and Opay sits right at the top of this list, alongside other well-known Nigerian fintechs such as Flutterwave and Chibacash. In our conversation, Olu provides his perspective on how technology-driven financial services is driving financial inclusion and spreading prosperity across Nigeria's urban and rural communities. This is a fascinating insight into the power of fintech and how modern digital payments infrastructure can underpin, enable, and catalyze economic growth and transform lives. So I do hope you enjoyed this conversation with Olu. I'm delighted to have Olu Akamu on the call today. Um, he's CEO of Opay in Nigeria. So I'm super excited to hear the story of Opay. How are you today, Olu? Hi, Martin. Uh, good to join you on your very good program. How do you do? Absolutely. Fantastic to hear you. Um, and let's get started. So before we dive into Opay, maybe you could just um, tell me a bit about yourself and your background and your, and your current position. Yeah, thank you, Martin. Uh, my name is Solu Akomo. I'm the president and co-CEO of OPE in Nigeria. Uh, before that, I've had diverse backgrounds, uh, d- d- different things in my previous life. Um, I used to work in telecoms, uh, where I was chief marketing officer and general manager for the consumer business for some of the leading uh, mobile telecoms in Nigeria here. And I was also in banking where I spent uh, quite a large part of my career as executive director of retail banking, uh, money director of one of the uh, money director retail banking division of some of the big commercial banks in Nigeria. So uh, before that, I also did some uh, consumer goods marketing. So I bring to my role um, different things which I've done in the past in telecoms, in banking, and uh, in the consumer goods marketing. Okay. So... Let's try and set the scene for the audience. I think it'd be really helpful before we dive into the details, just to um, for you to explain, you know, the current state of of financial services um, in Nigeria, 
uh, perhaps also roll back the years and tell me what it used to be like um and um and perhaps then also give me a sense of scale of the of the country the population where the population is urban versus rural communities that kind of thing um just so that we can set the scene and, and then we can then we can talk a bit more about in detail about OPE and 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 what OPE is doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, Nigeria is um, it's um, Africa's biggest country in terms of population, about two hundred twenty million uh, thereabout. A uh, very young population. Sixty percent of that population is very young, and, and it makes it very unique uh, in the sense that we describe ourselves in Nigeria we are the China of Africa. Uh, if you are trying to build an African business with scale and with impact, you cannot ignore Nigeria. And Nigeria is also like the test bed uh, for many of the experiments that any fintech or any business may want to do around Africa because uh, from things like the challenge of tackling informality, large informality, uh, dealing with large um, large population micro merchants, which is very typical of Africa. You find all of that represented very well in Nigeria. In terms of financial inclusion, 50% of the Nigerian population are be, are be, is backed, and about half is unbacked. And that sets the tone in terms of a large opportunity for players like OP to make a lot of difference. Uh, historically, a lot of traditional players have tried to push inclusion, uh, but it's been growing in very small percentages year on year. Uh, the entrance of players like OP have made a fundamental debt in terms of financial inclusion in Nigeria, in a country where 50% of the population are still largely unbanked. And of course, many of them also very young. Tell me about OP. I mean, describe the business and what, what you offer and what problem you're trying to solve. OP is um, Nigeria's most foremost fintech. Uh, with focus in financial inclusion. Our mission is to make Nigeria more financially inclusive with the power of technology. Um, we have three businesses. Uh, the most popular one which OPE is known for is our agency banking, where we have historically over five years uh, deployed more than 500,000 agents across Nigeria. Even in the remotest part of Nigeria, either in riverine area or areas that are typically close to the Sahel. If you find anyone providing any form of cash in, cash out services, frontline basic financial services to populations that are historically excluded, that agent is likely to be an OP agent. That is the power of the OP network across Nigeria. Who have taken financial services to places where the banks have never been to and get many of those people to begin to express modern financial services, even if, even if it is a form of basic cash in, cash out for the first, for the first, for the first time. Uh, the second business that we have is a wallet business, uh, which is a mobile money operator business, where we have historically, we have, we have a historical download of more than 30 billion customers who have downloaded the OP app. Uh, through this OP wallet, which you can download on your app, we provide opportunities for people to pay and receive payment directly in person, different from going to an agent. 
Um, they can pay, they can save. I will offer some of the best interest rates that the banks do not offer because we do not have the cost structure of the banks. And we offer interest rates in terms of return on savings to encourage people to save. That is sometimes two, three times better than the banks, than the traditional players, uh, which has attracted a lot of players to a lot of a lot of people in the market to the open wallet. But one more interesting thing is that in the last three, five, six, four months, when Nigeria has implemented some form of limited cash policy, because we have a digital native infrastructure, we have been able to deliver a far much more reliable service in terms of payment and trust than most traditional players, which has helped in terms of the scaling of our business, particularly over the last, over the last three months, because our infrastructures are digital, they are digital native end-to-end, and will correspond to transaction surge much more quickly than the traditional players. The last business that we have is the merchant business, which is the last business that we have is the merchant business, uh, which is um, where we provide merchant services in terms of payments to a lot of merchants that have been historically excluded. Nigeria has about 41 million MSMEs, micro merchants. That is the 80% of African MSMEs are in Nigeria. Many of these players do not have, do not have any form of opportunity to, re to receive digital payments. And that was made very prominent during the limited cash period where we tried to implement a limit, limit cash policy by in terms of regulation. A lot of these merchants were not able to collect payments. Open is solving this problem, enabling many of them for the first time to have opportunity to, for, to, 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 for, for digital payment collections, either through hardware in terms of product sales or through our Open app, which has brought many of the micro, which is bringing many of the micro merchants into the financial system. So those are our three businesses where one of the most diversified fintech players in Nigeria, both on the agency banking side, our consumer wallet business, and on our merchant collect acquiring business. And um, whether you look at it in terms of merchant or consumers, we are the player that is building the most extensive last mile financial rail in Nigeria for merchants and consumers in Nigeria. And yes. it's to delivery financial inclusion. Well, when did the business start? Uh, we start, OPE started uh, about five years ago. Um, so this story is very remarkable. This is a story of the business that started five years ago that has become a market leader, not just within the fintech space, but in the overall uh, financial service place in Nigeria. And it's a story of, uh, like I was describing, a story of a market with a large opportunity. When you have a population where 50% is on that, um, and open was a business waiting to happen. And yeah. uh, we have to give credit to the founders of open who saw the vision and moved into the market saw the large-scale opportunity, did rapid product market test, market to extend product market fit, and scaled rapidly. So this is one of the things that OPR has done. Uh, the business is five years old, and it's been a very great success in Nigeria. Right. Um, so what, so is it a case of, of, of rapid experimentation in the market to, to test and learn and then find some, some traction with product market fit and then, and then scale? I mean, you, essentially, that, that's the story of the last five years? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we, when we try, when we share the open story, especially with startups, there are a couple of maybe four or five lessons that we share. Uh, and, and that is that if 
if anyone is trying to build, first, the first thing is look for markets like what OPS has done with potential to scale that are largely uncontested. That is the story of OP. The market was there. It had the potential to scale. It was uncontested because the traditional business model of traditional financial players described those markets as not being what they were. And what OPE did was use the power of technology which lowered the transaction costs of delivering access and services to those markets to bring those markets that have been historically excluded into financial services. So that's a first lesson. But of course, it's not just walking to the market. There has to be uh, rapid experimentation. Uh, one of the second key lessons we also share with startups is that uh, in typical markets like this, the market will probably be only to take, may only be able to take maybe one or two, three players by scale because scale matters. So it's important to experiment very quickly to find product market fit. When you are found to the market fit, you need to work very quickly and scale your business. Uh, that's one of the things that we did at the very early stage. Uh, a lot of experience, and even see today, we still continue to iterate our business model, our, our, our UX design, our product delivery, both on the agency banking side, our merchant business, and also on our, on our wallet business. Uh, the other thing, of course, is that when you find the product market fit, uh, it's important that you uh, that you find complementary businesses that you can do along with your core. So we started primarily as an offline business in terms of what we have done. But we have built a very strong online business to complement our offline business side by side, leveraging the asset and relationships that we built in our offline business to bring the merchants that we, 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 we brought to financial aid to also bring them online so that they can, can generate more revenue for our business. So these are some of the things that we've done and of course, building strong partnership with the ecosystem in terms of creating uh, innovative services together with our partners uh, so that we can create value for our customers and for ourselves. Okay, I'd like to just return back to the, the point you made earlier on about the limited cash period, I think it was, uh, recently. Right. Can you just walk me through that again? Is that, and then how that, how that was impacted the business? It was a very interesting period because um, uh, um, the regulator, um, yeah, which is very commendable, uh, mm -hmm. implemented um, a limited cash policy to encourage the digital transformation of payments in Nigeria, which is a very commendable policy. Uh, uh, but one of the challenges was mm -hmm. that um, as many customers began to want to use digital payments, uh, one of the key learnings was that the ecosystem infrastructure collectively of the players to support the massive surge in digital payments as many customers being wanted to go, began to move from cash to digital payment began to be constrained. And mm. only a few players like OP were able to expand capacity dynamically overnight in reaction to that transaction surge. Uh, many traditional players were unable to and there was a very clear difference in terms of the reliability uh, that cost, uh, customer experience in the period of massive transactions, transaction surge on the digital ecosystem with players like OP compared to traditional players. So the market began to say that with OP, when you do your payments and get it immediately, it goes very fast. Mm. It's very reliable. And that created a massive migration of customers onto OP that we saw 
some of our strongest historical growth during this limited cash period. We are one of the greatest beneficiaries of the commendable policy of the regulator to implement limited cash. And it showed clearly the power of our big digital native that our infrastructure are smarter, they are digital end-to-end, -end, and they can respond in terms of delivering that reliable experience, customer experience that many customers need uh, to build trust in the payment system, especially for a whole lot of consumers and small merchants who are coming to payment, digital payments for the first time. So how did the regulator introduce or implement the, the, the policy? Was it uh, mandating digital payments for certain, certain types of transactions or how, how did it in practice work? It was um, implementing a limited amount of cash that any individual could withdraw from yeah. the ATMs across the country. So immediately that, that compressed the volume of cash that people could access, which implied that many more people who were not historically used to end up doing digital payments or digital collection of merchants have to be, have to look for how to get to get to adopt digital payments. So that was actually policy. It was side by side implemented with also a currency change uh, policy. Um, so the combination of the two um, uh, for us was a big opportunity for us to show our capacity at OPE to deliver the customer the digital the, the great customer experience on digital payments that many people are, live, are, are looking for, which will engender the trust. For example, um, a lot of people who are coming to digital payments for the first time, their first transaction experience is very important because when it works, when it works the way they expect, it engenders the right kind of trust for them to continue to use it. And that's some of the things that OPE has done. For a lot of customers who used to pay and receive by cash who came to payments for the first time. The smarter digital infrastructure of OPAID enabled us to deliver far much more reliable payment services than many of the traditional players in Nigeria. And that was a massive result for the massive growth of our business over the last, over the last few months. Mm. And has the policy come to an end now? Is it, uh, what's the current status? With the policy is a little relaxed but still largely continue. So we continue to believe, to believe and see, uh, despite the slight relaxation of the policy, uh, strong momentum in terms of uh, numbers at OP, uh, because the market have seen clearly that uh, our infrastructure are smarter, they're more reliable, uh, and they, uh, they, they, they give the right kind of trust for a whole lot of, pay, a lot of customers who are coming to the payment, payments for the first time in terms of customer, customer experience. Um, tell me a bit about the sort of rural versus urban communities within within Nigeria and, and, and the adoption rate you're experiencing between those two communities. Is, is it similar or, or what trends are you noticing? Which is, which is, where is the adoption growing fastest? Nigeria has uh, roughly 50-50% in terms of urban and rural population. Mm. Uh, in between, you've got what we call a semi-urban, urban population between the urban and the rural. Uh, but... What's interesting about Nigeria is that even within the urban areas, especially in the what you call the urban metropolitan state, some of the urban areas, uh, when you move from Lagos, that's mm -hmm. in the south and the coast of Nigeria, further into the interland, you find that even in the urban areas, the, the percentage of people who have access to formal financial services 
will still be in the range of like 30, 40%, 30%. In fact, in some areas that are urban, access to financial services, former financial center or a bank account will still be like 30 or 40%. So even within the urban area, the potentials to, to, for businesses like OP who are focused on financial inclusion, who are focused on delivering access, mm. using new models with technology, is still very huge. And the efficiency of cluster that urban population brings means that we can also scale our business rapidly. So, of course, our biggest adoption is among the urban, let me call it urban underserved and urban excluded, and the semi-urban. And with our agency banking, we use that to serve the rural. So we have a business that straddle both the urban underserved, urban excluded, and the rural through the combination of our agency banking, our wallet business, and our merchant acquiring business. That's why we say that Open we are one of the most diversified uh, financial players in Nigeria, building a true last mile financial rail to serve both consumers and merchants in Nigeria. Tell me about the sort of response um, by the, the incumbent banks to Opay's growth. What have you experienced in terms of the bank's reaction to, to Opay? Our, our, our president banks are, are important compliments to us. Um, we believe that we have played our own part in terms of complementing what everyone is doing in terms of increasing access to financial services. So, for example, we try and focus on what banks don't historically do. Uh, just by being a bank, there are natural things which they will be good at. There will be other natural things just by being a bank for their size, which they will not be able to deliver. They may not be as agile. The technology might be more traditional. Um, and of course, uh, a typical bank will have different distractions from corporate banking to commercial banking and all sorts of stuff. All sorts of things that banks do in my previous life. Uh, but when you have a fintech player that's strictly focused on building last mile financial aid, we got the power of focus, which historical traditional players do not have. So we can respond in a more agile way. We can export the focus resources to serve markets that banks have not historically served in Nigeria. And of course, it's obvious with the numbers in terms of the fact that uh, 50% or, or thereabout of the population in Nigeria, you're talking roughly over 100 million people adults in Nigeria, who's, uh, 100 million people in Nigeria who still, um, at least the next 50, 60 million people in Nigeria who still need uh, to access financial services, which is a large opportunity uh, for, 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 for fintechs. Of course, we continue to work with the banks as complements in the ecosystem. I wonder, Olu, if you can bring the social impact that Opay is having on people's lives um, to life a bit more. I mean, can you provide some tangible examples of, of how Opay is actually um, impacting lives, transforming lives uh, across Nigeria? One of the things that are very obvious mm. is every agent that OPA has got is an entrepreneur in their own right. These agents, more than 500,000 of them, have been able to set up a business that is serving their community where many people in their community in very remote areas would never have had opportunity of accessing former financial services both for their customers, for these agents' customers, and for themselves. They've been able to create wealth for themselves. Many of our agents have become very prosperous. They've been able to build a business for themselves. Some of them have gone ahead to set up a second agent business, apart from their first one, through the support of OP. Um, 
But more importantly, for a lot of our customers who we are brought into the financial realm, one of the biggest, one of the uh, very good illustration of what they have done is that for a small merchant who is not doing digital payments, the farthest opportunity that they have is the length of their arm, which is the opportunity to receive cash. If they cannot receive cash, they cannot do business. One of the things that OPA has done is that we have expanded opportunities for a whole lot of people in the, in the semi-urban and rural Nigeria. Many of them coming onto the OPA financial rail can receive payments of anywhere in Nigeria at the council send payments. Some of them are small merchants. Some of them are small rural farmers. Some of them are part of the value chain of large agri corporations today who are, who are being aggregated to, together as, as, uh, as, as farmers to serve the big corporations like Nestle's and some of them. And these are the kind of opportunities that these smallholder farmers or these kind of small merchants would never have had. They're able to trade, they're able to do much more business. So essentially what we've done in Nigeria, both for individuals and consumers, is that we'll be able to create a much more widely shared prosperity for our people in, 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 in Nigeria. And that's one of the very important things that we're also very proud of. Uh, on, the, on the personal side, you also find that uh, there's a whole lot of domestic remittance that is happening in Nigeria. People in urban areas are sending monies to families. Uh, in the past, this money will have had to be sent to a third or a fourth party before it gets to the grandmother in the village or to, 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 the, to the sister who wants to pay school fees. But through OP, by the fact that the grandmother or the brother or the sister, the younger sister in the village has got an OP account, uh, I can send money to her directly from OPE in Lagos or in Kano, and she will receive it just in a second. And she can go to an OPE agent and cash the money and use to share to pay school fees. So these are the diverse ways in which OPE has made a lot of difference in the quality of the life of a lot of Nigerians who have been historically excluded, lifting many people up. Essentially, that is our, our mission, which we are very proud of, and we we going to push in that way. It must be totally transformational, you know, the, the, the stories you're, you're telling. Uh, I mean, what, what kind of second order effect or does, does Obe, has Obey had on, on, like you say, education and health, provision of health care um, and other social areas or impact? Very interesting question, Martin. This, that's one of, the, one, of the, one of the learnings that we are seeing mm. is that financial uh, inclusion is a foundation service to catalyze prosperity and inclusion in many areas. Uh, whether in e-commerce or in health, in terms of improving access to education, or in terms of improving access to health, or even in agriculture, for example, some form of payment services are needed to catalyze commerce, to get many people to pay for services on, on digital platforms for education, for example. And by providing embedded payment services as a fintech to many of these players, uh, and we, the impact of what we do, uh, we believe is still in its very early days. Um, mm. we, have, we, we believe that we are building a financial rail uh, that will carry all sorts of diverse players on the rails that we are building to provide access, to provide education services, health services, and so on. So it's still very early days, and uh, many of the fintech players are already working with us uh, uh, using our financial rail 
in terms of embedded payments for their own services in, 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 in many areas. And there's still so much to be done, given the, given the opportunities that we see in many sectors. Of course, with financial inclusion as a foundation service that will catalyze many of these other sectors. And then just to, you know, just to confirm, I mean, the products we're talking about here are beyond payments, right? So you have an account, accounts and savings accounts and payments, uh, lending products, um, as well as insurance, micro-insurance, presumably as well. Um, can you just expand on that point? I mean, the, the full portfolio of solutions or financial services that you can support or intend to support? Interesting question. Well, let me, let me put, let me lay some very important context in terms of yeah. the direct payments. Is, has been growing uh, over the last decade. Access to payments uh, improved from 22% or thereabout to 45% between 2020, 2010, and 2020, over a decade. But at the same period, access to credit have been very, have been very flat at mm. just 3%. Uh, savings in Nigeria is 32%. Insurance is about 3% and pension is 7%. So one of the things that you see from that data is that despite the growth of payments, access to credit is still lagging the couple from payments. Payment at 45%, access to credit flat at 3%. But what, we, what that tells us are the opportunities to now use the financial rail that we are building with the rest of the ecosystem to get many more services to people who have been historically denied access, both in terms of insurance, pensions, savings, and other services like health and education. So that's very, that's very, that's um, that's that's just very illustrative of the opportunities or the challenges and the opportunities that well, we have in Nigeria in terms of our, in terms of our, in terms of the ecosystem. And in terms of remittances into into Nigeria from the you know the Nigerian diaspora globally, that's an important source of funds, right? How do you fit into that remittance network that, that, it, that exists across the world and, and you know, the corridors transferring funds into Nigeria? By, re by regulation, uh, because we're a wallet business mm -hmm. uh, for now, uh, we are not, um, the regulator has not, um, uh, we are not yet approved uh, to provide Last mile to provide uh, to for, for, to provide uh, direct inward uh, foreign payments to 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 Nigeria, uh, but it's a discussion that is going on when the ecosystem is right. But look at it this way: mm -hmm. we are building the rail. Uh, when it gets to a comfortable time, we'll be able to ensure that anyone in Nigeria, no matter where they are. Even in the part of Nigeria, you could send money from London and they will be able to receive it wherever they are. But as yeah. for now, we are not yet participating in it. So look at us like we are right, real builders. We are building the rail now, and it's just a matter of time before we plug into those kind of services, of course, uh, when approved by regulation. Perhaps you can just talk a bit more broadly about, you know, uh, the, the landscape across Africa beyond Nigeria. What, what are your thoughts and perspective on on how technology-driven financial services are, are, are developing. Very interesting question. I, I, one of the things I think we should mention, just in terms of describing um, Africa mm -hmm. and Nigeria to your audience, um, is the challenge of digital identity. Uh, one of the most important learnings for us in Africa and in Nigeria is that unless we make digital identity inclusive, 
as the foundation of the payment system, we will not have an increased an increase financial system. Because essentially, who, who is sending money and who is using money, we need to be able to identify them digitally. Africa has not historically had a formal digital identity system that is inclusive. Only a very small section of the population that have been historically included in terms of formal digital identity. So it's one of the key problems that we need to solve in Africa. But a lot of progress has been made in this area. In Nigeria, for example, uh, uh, over the last three years, uh, we've had a massive acceleration in terms of inclusion, inclusive digital identity by by uh, uh, by next year, by this year, 2023, we are going to have 100 million Nigerians with former digital identity uh, for the first time. Now, the way to appreciate that is that when you look at um, what we call the historical bank verification number, uh, uh, which is the old digital identity for payments that we historically use, um, we have just about 50 million Nigerians who are on the, who are on the bank, what we call the bank verification system. But through this new national digital identity, we're going to have 100 million Nigerians with formal digital identity by this year. It's growing rapidly at the rate of about 10, 15 million a year. That is going to help us to bring many more people into financial services. So that's very typical of the rest of Africa. Uh, I will solve the problem of digital identity. Uh, the second thing is that um, a lot of fintechs are also working in the areas of uh, digitizing payments in terms of the retail value chain in terms of merchants uh, between the wholesaler, the retailer, and the manufacturer, uh, where a lot of services have been strongly provided so in, in cash. Uh, fintechs, a lot of fintechs, of course, including OPAY, are working in this area uh, in terms of providing uh, merchant payment solutions uh, for a lot of players. We have also seen in Africa a lot of uh, fintechs also trying to solve cross-border payment problems, which are also great opportunities in terms of scaling. Um, uh, these are some of the very exciting things that are going on uh, in Nigeria, inclusion, providing inclusion and access, uh, riding on the wave of the rail of financial inclusion who provide services like savings and insurance and pensions and other services to those who are banks, uh, providing cross-border payment solutions to small merchants, uh, especially who have historically excluded from payments, merchant payment solutions for more than 41 million SMEs for which OPAY is at the forefront. These are some of the exciting things which are very typical of many of the countries in Africa. And, and uh, Africa will be very different over the next five, five years or thereabout. And uh, let me also mention that we have uh, what we call the Africa Continental Free Trade Zone uh, pro uh, program, which is expected to create um, a more integrated trading system in Africa. And of course, a payment system uh, that supports the AFCTA is very important. And the owner of FinTech also working with our governments in terms of providing that last mile access for the whole lot of people to get to financial so that we can be part of uh, an economically integrated Africa. Uh, so a lot of exciting things are going on in the continent, in Africa, across many countries. And Nigeria is just a typical example of many of the tests that are going on. All right. Well, look. Great. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. I'm, I've, I've so enjoyed speaking to you. I mean, just coming to the end of our conversation, um, what are the, you know, what are the next challenges for you, Ope? I mean, uh, you, you've spoken 
several times on 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 saying that it's it's just the beginning, it's just the start. And um, you know, what's the next milestone for you in in the company's development? We mean it when I say that this the five years is just the start, despite all that we have done. Mm. We are building the rail. We now need the trains to ride on the rail. We need as many services as possible. When we build the last mile rail, we we see a future in which many players in the short tech, in agri-tech, in health tech, are going to use the rails that in e-commerce, are going to use the rails that we have built to amplify the prosperity that we are creating in financial inclusion. Because financial inclusion alone, without integrating many of the small merchants we are bringing into the financial system, uh, without integrating many of the consumers we are bringing into the financial system, into the benefits of the modern digital economy, the benefit of financial inclusion will be sub-optimized. So the future that we see is a rapid acceleration in many directions, of course, being catalyzed by what we do in financial inclusion. Uh, we have 41 million MSMEs in Nigeria alone. Many of them need to be included. Imagine when we have 41 million MSMEs who can receive digital payments. What is going to be for e-commerce, for example? Imagine what will happen. We have just about 55 million Nigerians today or thereabout who are into formal digital payments. Imagine when we have 100 million Nigerians who are financially included, 41 million MSMEs who are matchers who can do payment collections. The opportunities in many directions are huge. And that's why we say that it's very early days for OP. We are real builders, both for merchants and consumers. And the future that we see, like I said, is we're looking for many trains to come on ride in the rail that we are building at OP in the future that is coming very soon. Lovely. Oh, that's fantastic. Very inspirational um, words there from you, Olu. Thank you very much. Um, just to wrap up, how can the audience reach out to you or, or get in contact or get involved in OPEI and contribute to, to the efforts that are being made by OPEI in financial inclusion? Uh, thank you. Um, you can reach us. Um, we have uh, go on, uh, on our website. Um, we're on the web. In terms of our key contacts are in there. Um, uh, you can also just can you may not be able to exactly download it, but see what we do. Um, if you go on the on the on the app store, if you are in Nigeria, for example, you can download uh, the OP app on the app store and see the service that we that we offer. Let me also mention that OP Nigeria, we are part of the, of the larger OP global family. Uh, we have OP businesses uh, in Egypt. Our colleagues, my colleagues, are in Egypt also doing the same thing that we are doing in Nigeria in terms of building and expanding financial rail to serve the underserved. OPE is in Indonesia, OPE is in Mexico, OPE is in Peru and Colombia. The common thread, and OPE is also in Egypt. Um, uh, so the common thread in the countries where OPE is, is that OPE is focused, OPE is also in Pakistan, for example. The common thread in Pakistan, in Egypt, in Nigeria, Indonesia, Mexico, where OPE is present are countries with large populations with a lot of people who are financially underserved or excluded. And that's the mission of OP, to make a difference in terms of bringing a whole lot of the excluded into the formal financial rate and create an inclusive share prosperity for many more people across the world. That's, that's amazing. I didn't realize that OP had such a family of companies across all these big like you say, very populous countries, most populous countries in the world, Indonesia, Pakistan, etc. So um, thank you so much for your time. 
And I should, I should mention, Martin, of course, yeah. our, our, our headquarters for OPE is in Beijing. Beijing coordinates all the diversity of the countries. OPE Beijing. OPE Beijing is our global headquarters. But all of us are up close of the OPE Global Group with headquarters in Beijing. Right. So I just to clarify that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you again. And um, I'd love to speak again and, and have, you, uh, have another conversation with you in, in due course, uh, another opportunity time. So until that point, um, wishing you best of luck uh, and see you next time. Thank you, Martin. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. To hear more interviews, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. It helps and means a lot. Also, I welcome any questions, ideas, or suggestions. So feel free to make contact and say hello. Reach out to me on LinkedIn or at edgardunn.com. You can send me a message there. Or you can email me on martin.coderish at edgardunn.com. I look forward to hearing from you and I will see you next time.